0: I can I can do without a drink, you know, because uh, I know it's, if if my when my girl shows up if she sees I'm drinking she's like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> again.
0: <laughs> so at least you'll get to see me So All
2: right, guys, we're live.
0: All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. My name is Mark DeMayo. I'm with my co-host and uh, he's my partner in all things law enforcement. What's up, Bill Cannon?
2: Yo, what's up, man? We got a great show tonight with two heavyweights in the industry. I don't know what industry, but they're heavyweight.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm proud to announce our guests today. Um, They're the executive producers of uh, The Perfect Murder. It was a show, what was it on Discovery? ID, Investigation Discovery. uh, Investigation Discovery. ID, ID, it ran for five years. Put your hands together, folks, for Rick Torelli <laughs> and Kevin Kaufman. Yay! Uh,
2: and uh, Rick Torelli happens to be a retired uh, Manhattan South homicide detective, first grade detective. You did what? You did 30 years, right, Rick?
1: I did 31 years, yeah. 31, wow. Yeah. That's 31. a lot of cabbage you got there. Yeah, a lot of cabbage.
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: Bill, before we go on, I I do, I do want to say one thing. Uh, It's an honor to be here for Kevin and I. Uh, Number one, you've had some great guests, heavyweight guests on here. It's an honor for Kevin and I to be here. And also want to thank both of you for the great job you did for us when we did our show. Bill, you played many detective roles, helped us out with stories. Mark, you played roles as well. And thank you both for all that and your continued success. Well, we, we definitely appreciate you guys. And I just want to know the story of how
2: you met Kevin i'll let kevin tell that story
3: uh i had a cockamamie idea it was one of the dumbest ideas i've ever had for a tv show which usually sells because it's so idiotic and it was called uh, the cupid detective and the, the the concept was you 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 had detectives to help a couple meet cute so uh you know, let's say a woman was interested in a guy and she hired she gets the detectives to to basically uh stalk the potential suitor and find out about him so that she when she meets cute, she can break the ice and they can go and live happily ever after. Hey, let me ask so. you a question. Are they gonna make out in this show? Uh <laughs> we we hope they, they they you know they just Because no, if they it make it out, I watch. <laughs> 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 like, during the credits they make out. Anyway, so. <laughs> so
0: when you watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? Yeah, it was kind of <laughs> it was a precursor of yeah, Makes so
3: it. I had a friend. I was looking for a detective, and I had a friend of mine. Uh, her name was Mary Bourbon. She worked for the, uh, I think it was the, the Queens. Queens' office. Yeah, so uh, she said, oh, you got to meet Rick Torelli. He does all the TV stuff. So uh, I had a lunch date with Mr. Torelli.
1: Well, let me tell you about the
3: lunch date. <laughs> so I'm at the DEA office
1: at the time. I'm the secretary of the DEA. And at the front desk, they said, Hey, there's That's a guy the detective here.
2: union, yeah. right? For people
1: that don't know, yes, for the det- yes, I'm sorry, over on Thomas Street. And when I go downstairs, I see this guy in tennis shorts, tennis shirt. I'm like, He's tennis, I'm a tennis outfit. I'm thinking to myself, Who is this guy? You know, <laughs> I, mean, I, I walk outside, he's got his bicycle, whatever he rides, he rides a bike everywhere. Kevin, by the way, oh, shit. and I, I looked, I was thinking to myself, Wow, then he tells me about Cupid Detective. I'm like, I don't think I'm your guy, bro. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so anyway, I started hanging out with him nonetheless. So the first thing he introduces me is people like uh, Eddie Ravain and Stevie DeShadby. And we have a few lost nights. And then I thought, Hey, these, the stories that I hear from these guys are the best stories I've ever heard ever.
1: Well, so, well basically, Billy, what else happened was, as you know, uh, Bill Clark uh, was my mentor. And Bill was the first great detective out of Queen's Homicide, as you guys know. And he was the executive producer of uh, NYPD Blue. Right. And Bill got me involved helping him out when he went out to L.A., him and David Milch and Stephen Bochco. And I said to Kevin, I said, why don't we do a show? We used to get all these stories for NYPD Blue. Why don't we do them now for ourselves and do a, a documentary or, a, you know, the show that we end up doing, watching the detectives?
2: So the now concept I remember of, that show. But yeah. was that that wasn't as successful as The Perfect Murder. Though,
3: no, right? but it it was on A&E and uh, you know they they ordered 13 hours which was a lot of programming and right. each hour had five stories. So we're talking like what uh, you know a ton of stories. Yeah.
2: But it was so, sort of like a procedural like the detective would go, I proceeded to get out of my car and walk <laughs> to the, steps of the apartment. I knew this could be a very dangerous situation. But, <laughs> you know that was you
3: bill you were the guy walking into the danger (laughs) billy's
1: being sarcastic because he wasn't asked to be in that one (laughs) that was before (laughs) i met you guys yeah the
3: uh the working title was uh cocktails because the concept was if you met a detective in a bar which is not that odd and he told you his best bar story that would you know drop your jaw on the floor that would be the story we would do. So that right. was kind of the concept.
0: How come you didn't call it Cocktails?
3: Uh, that was not PC enough. I think that's a great name. <laughs> such a great, well, you
0: know, it's a great name for a podcast.
3: Right, right.
0: Cocktails, yeah. Yeah, you should lock that up.
3: Yeah. No, we have, we have.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a great, I love that name.
2: You guys also did um, Gotti and Son in the last two years, right?
3: Yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, that was like a straight documentary. So it wasn't, it didn't have any reenactments. Right, and that right. again was for a, and it was four hours worth where the family kind of told their, their their side of the story.
2: It didn't seem like they knew that their father was a, a mobster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: He was such a <laughs> nice man. You don't know <laughs> what happened,
2: you kept getting arrested.
1: <laughs> hey Bill, we did, we also did uh, something that you you, one of your great guests, uh, one of the best detectives I ever worked with Irma, Irma Rivera. Miss homicide. We did, yeah. did miss homicide, which was yeah. a great concept. That was an A&E. We did a pilot and I thought that was going to take off like gangbusters. It didn't, but I'll tell you, Irma was such a an, as you know, Irma is one of the best detectives around. We had her on early. Uh, we, when we
2: first used to shoot the show in my house, we had her on early, and one of her episodes, very early on, got like 18,000 views in two weeks on Facebook.
0: I'm and sure. I
2: was, how the hell did that happen? You know,
0: right. she's great, she's really, really great, and the yeah, amazing. She says, uh, well, you know, I never did this before, and I'm really shy. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go.
3: And you couldn't stop started, her.
0: Couldn't stop Right out the gate. Woo,
1: woo, woo. the story after story. That's the hands are always going, too. She always like, it was great. Well, you also talk about hands. Yeah, another great guest that was on our show, Joe Murray. Good
3: friend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: Joe yeah,
1: Murray's right. great. He's been uh-huh. on here
2: a couple times. He's he's, he's great. Yep. Yeah, he's excellent. Man. Yeah, Joe always
3: played our uh, prosecutor, and I I would always share that the, the secret to our success was every prosecutor on our show won every case. Yeah, <laughs> they never they never lost a case.
2: Well, we gave you those slam dunk cases. too. Bro. You enacted some great cases on that show. You really do. Well, the, the you know
3: to Rick's credit, he you know he was like uh, you know the pig uh, looking for the truffles, he would find stuff that no one else could find. Right. I say yeah. that I say that with admiration, Rick. I don't mean <laughs> that analogy, <laughs> literally.
1: <laughs> you know what- The police uh, are taking
2: a beating being called pig.
1: We don't need that right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what helped me a lot, Phil? I, I gotta tell you, it was, I got involved with that police softball about 25 years ago. And in my travels, I met so many great cops and detectives and throughout the country and they knew what I was doing, and they were all interested. So they would start giving me there was plenty of stories. And the stories that we were getting, we had so many stories from all over the country. We had 30, 40 in, a, in, a, in, a, you know, in, in the hopper before we started. And we still had plenty of cases that we could still... We could have ran that show for 10 more years.
2: You know, I, I couldn't believe it, because I remember the year that they canceled it. I think you were averaging like 1.2 million episodes. We were. Still canceled it. I mean, I, I, any other... Uh, Id shows get that
3: audience. Uh Not now. I mean, you know, it's. I hate to. Well, I mean, it's not. It may be a coincidence, but you know, we get canceled and and the numbers go soft. So you know. Yeah. Was it coincidental? Yeah,
0: but you would have probably gotten canceled anyway now, because they're <laughs> gonna get rid of all the cop shows. Not <laughs>
2: it. They're gonna try, but that shit's
0: not gonna happen. They just got rid of that other that other one, uh, PD Live.
3: Yeah.
0: but it's all well, no, so gonna come back. The most popular one,
3: right? I think they that that was problematic because I think they shot, uh, you know, they shot footage that was is probably going to end up in court. So, okay. but you know, you're right. You know, the, unfortunately, these shows are uh, not not in vogue now. They took. I don't know for
0: out. sure, well, but I think I right.
1: heard that uh, that the show with Olivia Benson, which is uh, Special Victims. I heard that's being canceled as well. You're kidding. That was 22 seasons.
2: Oh, well. No. You know, people are going to be dying for cop shows again because it's a genre that goes right back to Sherlock Holmes, you right. know, so Charlie Chan. It's a genre of film. It's, it's going to always be here. You know? Right. Maybe now they'll have the social worker going to a shooting. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> How many episodes could we do with that show? <laughs> <laughs> the
1: Met tickets going to a parolee. <laughs> <It's no joke. laughs> Poor Mark would be back in Warren's again.
0: Hey, let me ask you, Rick how did you, you how did you get started from the very beginning though in the um, in in just getting involved with TV? How did you what was the origin of that?
1: How'd... Well, I I was in Queen's Homicide. I was working with Bill Clark, and Bill was the at the time the technical advisor for NYPD Blue. And he was traveling back and forth to L.A. I mean, the guy never slept. I mean, he was going back and forth on a red eye, like incredible. So when he was made the uh, executive producer of the show within that first year, he needed someone to help him out here to get the stories. And he had trusted he trusted me, and he knew I knew a lot of people, and I was on the DEA board, the detectives board at the time, and had a lot of uh, a lot of friends. So he had asked me if I'd help him out with the stories, and then he got me involved. And during that time, David Milch did another show called Big Apple. It was on CBS. And it was a great cast. I mean, Titus Welliver, who's an amazing actor. He plays Bosch currently. Uh, Ed O'Neill was in it for Modern Children. Henry Winkler. We had a great cast of people. Uh, And I did that show, but we only did eight episodes. We were up against ER, and it just never took off. Then I got involved. It was another
2: show because I did an audition for some reenactment. I Know everyone seemed like they were trying to find the next uh Lieutenant Joe Kenda, the, the soul they were, they, the were was,
3: they were trying to find the. Next you
2: know, like the guy who personally solved 400 murders
3: by himself. <laughs> well, we did that with you, Bill. We tried to get you a others. I remember I, auditioned. Yeah. I
1: watched my audition, yeah. We That's were trying, case. you know,
3: they were looking for the next Joe Kenda, and as you say, you know, where he was in a small town and. Was in, it in Colorado. In Colorado, and they had more homicides than New York City. Yeah, I,
2: I couldn't understand that. <laughs>
3: when they,
0: when they got all those cases from
3: it. You know? And I, I personally did this. Yeah,
0: yeah. Hey, um, no, um, I mean... you know, to be a delegate, and, and also you mentioned when you uh, started working with Bill how you knew everybody. That's, uh, that's, that's your personality. You, uh, you've always been this outgoing guy, very friendly, got to know everybody. So you see how it worked for you, not only as a delegate, but also getting uh, having an afterlife after the job.
1: Well, so I appreciate great. that, Mark. And it's funny, you and I were reminiscing a bit, and I was trying to figure out where I first met you. And you you remembered that, you know, you were a young cop on a footpost, and I ended up picking you up taking you to dinner. I was a detective, hey, you were, you were a detective in, in the
0: squad. And yeah. uh, when we were, uh, we, I was in uh, FTU, and everybody got like, uh, you had one day up in the squad. Like all the rookies, just so you can see what they do. And my day when it, when I went up to you guys was um, I got to put the suit on. Right. And, and uh, I don't know what we did. We did some. I know shopping. we did. We, it we ate and
3: drank. That couldn't be. Yeah, <laughs> <some laughs> uh, it probably took you to Rico's to get
1: outfitted. <laughs> I got a Rico suit. <laughs> right.
3: So you look. No, like, you, 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 you like, you you were like
1: were a detective. Involved, we had a you involved part. as a cop, as a PBA delegate too, right? I no, my brother Danny. Is a PBA delegate for uh, thirty. He's, he's currently in his thirty eighth year on the job. Oh shit! And he. Your no, brother Danny.
0: What, what did they used to call him in the street? What was his nickname?
1: Danny. Yeah. No, that was me. So, that was you, Red. <laughs> I was Redbeard. Redbeard. Yeah. You were the pirate Redbeard. I was the pirate Redbeard. I, yeah.
0: I grew up in Astoria. And, um, you know, everybody always used to talk about this cop, Redbeard. You could be careful. <laughs>
1: but you know what? I got to be honest. It was a guy, Bobby Scanlon, who was a legend and probably the best cop I ever worked with in my life. Yeah. And he was a street crime. I mean, uh, a crime, uh, anti-crime guy forever. Uh, when, they deb- when they abolished anti-crime today, he, he's rolling in his grave, that poor man, because he was the best anti-crime cop I ever worked with. And he was Redbeard. And when he left. I think everyone just thought I was him. I don't know. We both had red beards, and do uh, <laughs> you know, here comes red beard. And they all ran away. You know. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. what, what do you think about them uh, getting rid of anti-crime? I, I you know what, I got to be honest with you. I, th- does a cop really want to be an anti-crime today? I mean, they're still about, pulling guns. They're still pulling guns off the street. You, you know, know what? They're the, they're the best cops ever in the, in the job as we know it, and yeah. it was the best best I ever had best experience in a job was in the anti-crime with the people I work, men and women I work with were unbelievable. Yeah. And the whole thing is today, what's going to start happening? And Billy, you know better than anyone. I mean, you were a supervisor. Guys aren't going to want to, And girls aren't going to want to do a lot because no. they're afraid they're being ostracized on everything they do. And people are going to start making CCRBs and they're going to have that new, you know, uh, great thing that they just implemented in the city council and uh, it, it, I don't know. Cops. Well, it, that, I mean, that law 50A where they can uh, yeah. put your disciplinary record
2: to the public and tell the public where you live. Is that, I mean. Correct. Maybe they could publish where Cuomo lives and where, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he would like that, you know.
1: But
0: you know, I don't know what to go. Bill mentioned something interesting about, uh, or what do you guys did, about uh, getting the guns off the street. I think that is the, that's probably the reason why you get rid of anti-crime, because you want the guns back in the street. You want the guns back in the hands of the people. If you're going to do this whole revolution, revolution shit, people got to have guns. The only the people who have the most guns right now, are the conservatives. <laughs> it's it's,
1: it's bad, Mark. I'll tell you. Not even bullshit.
0: Sounds like it sounds like the craziest thing in the world. But tell me why it doesn't make sense. I, I wish I why could make. You, why would you let everybody out of jail? Yeah. I mean, does that even make sense? Why would you tell the cops not to do anything during a riot when build, businesses are getting broken up? There has to, uh, anyway. That's my conspiracy yeah. thing. Uh, I listen. I wanted to ask Kevin a question. Um, you've done a lot of uh, a lot of TV shows and films too. Uh, you know what? I, I looked up that that Palladium when Mambo was king. That's something <laughs> that I'm really interested in. You know what? I'm not even kidding because uh, one of my favorite movies is Mambo Kings, and I really like that time that period when the Mambo was out uh, right. in New York City, that time period, is fascinating to me.
3: That was my first TV doc uh-huh. and it was done. I started it just before 9-11. And then when 9-11 happened, I either declared bankruptcy or tried to finish the film literally myself. So I was the cameraman, director, sound person, lighting person, editor, blah, blah, blah. Wow. And you know, and craft service. and <laughs> <Craft laughs> services and my wife bravely let me finish the film you know meanwhile we were you know we were both my office was across from the towers I was building the new studio two blocks north of there and I was living in Battery Park so I hit the trifecta all three places were gone so it was either you know I just so I just gutted it up and finished the film now the so I, I delivered the film literally 24 hours before it aired, which was wow. a testimony to my person who worked at Bravo named Charles Derbyshire, who got out of the TV business is now running a wine store. But nonetheless, he, 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 hanged...
2: is he looking to advertise on the podcast?
3: <laughs> no, but <laughs> he said, listen, this is either going to be a disaster or it's going to go. So I had all my friends over and I borrowed a big TV and the thing goes off as planned, but the sound was horrific. And I thought, Oh my God, this is the biggest public embarrassment of my life. This is awful. (laughs) I said, I'll never work again. And the guy who loaned me the TV said, Oh, I'm sorry. And he hit a button. And then the, the sound went normal. But I, I, I literally had half of my entrails in the living room. So that was my kind of first TV show. But it was basically the history of Latin jazz and trace it from Africa to Cuba to New York.
2: Uh-huh. How did it do?
3: Uh, you know, it got me into producing TV. So, you know, it won a couple of you know, cheesy awards and, uh, you know, then I started producing TV. That's great. And you and Did you own- start out
2: in New York or in California? In New York. Oh, okay. You played college football, didn't you?
3: I did. The, the, the Fighting where'd, Tigers. Where'd you play at? Princeton, which was... we When Sports Illustrated used to have the top 10 worst teams in, in the country, we were number two. <laughs> you remember when but Columbia had smart, that, that... You
2: were a smart, horrible I, football player.
3: Uh, he was a great football player. Uh, yeah, but, you know, when... Columbia started their, their, their losing streak. We were the last team they beat. So that's how good we were.
2: <laughs> and you studied film at Princeton?
3: No, I, I, no there was no film at Princeton. There was very, you know, there was, I was a history major. That showed you how practical my education was. <laughs> um, but I really spent all my time playwriting, which was even less practical than studying for history. <laughs> I wanted to be a writer.
0: That's, I love that. I love plays. I'm an actor from, uh, that's how I started out acting. But um, how many, how many plays have you uh, put up?
3: I had, I had like three or four plays. Some of the worst plays ever written. Uh, were <laughs> Everybody always st- said. Sure. Were <laughs> at it. it was a place called Network Theater, which was off Broadway. Uh-huh. And, um, but I was starving. And, um, you know, I was like, I was living with uh i was I was sh- sharing an apartment not in the carnal uh, level, but I was like a subtenant of this crazy Andy Warhol superstar named ultraviolet oh wow yeah and and you know kind of hook line and sinker, I started writing, and that's when I started doing plays so oh, uh, she kind of she kind of inspired me to make a complete fool of myself be <laughs> shameless. <laughs>
2: How many years did you struggle in the business before
3: you started? The- I, I, well, I, I went from struggling to then I got a, a job at New York Magazine as a writer, then at Sports Illustrated as a writer-producer, started to kind of learn how films are being done. And that's really kind of got me into, then I had my own production company and did a bunch of commercials and did that for 10 years. So, but I, my, my dream was always to do movies or television. So in in 92, I actually made a feature film and started doing TV, you know, around 2000.
1: Well, the funny thing is, Kevin loved the the movie thing. And I had a case back in the day, a young girl, Kimberly Antonakis, when I was in Queens Homicide, uh, when I worked with Lou Pierre and uh, Tommy Shevlin and the legend, Phil Panzarella, who we all know. Um, And the girl was uh, kidnapped and burned alive and Kevin and I actually didn't do it that extreme, but we did a movie called Ace the Case. And we did that in 2000. When was that, Kev? Uh, 2013. Yeah. Well, what happened was at the same time, I had just finished Pride and Glory with Gavin O'Connor with, uh, you know, Colin Farrell, Edward Norton and John Voight and the, the, the actors in that movie today are all like off the charts people like Frankie Grillo and Shay right. Wiggum and Johnny Ortiz. There's so many great actors that came out of that movie. And through them, I started doing a, a parallel with Kevin and I doing our movie. And I hooked up with Keanu Reeves. And I think I brought him up to your office, Bill, right? Yeah, hey, I, I remember someone said he was
2: there. I, I don't think yeah. I was there that day, but I heard that. He yeah. Up there. So, yeah. He's supposed to be a hell of a nice guy.
1: He, yeah, he yeah. might be the nicest man I've ever met. Yeah genuine
3: uh friendly uh the
1: we were no, doing pretense, a
3: movie no pretense at all you know like right. regular joe oh. i mean if every woman wasn't sending notes to him you would just think he was a normal guy uh, yeah <laughs> giving the seat up on the subways yeah you know you think,
2: see that when there's no
1: cameras yeah. on him,
2: he does that That's the,
1: he, he's a genuine. genuine you know yeah, no. i'll tell you a quick story i don't know if you knew this after the matrix the last matrix Keanu had given away $80 million of his salary. $1 million to 80 people that were on the crew. Not the heavy people, like the people, that that, the unknown people. $80 million, $1 million to each, and all of the stunt people. He's a uh, big, he has a motorcycle company of his own. He built all of the stunt people their own motorcycle custom. Wow. That's the type of guy he is. That's the type of guy he is. Mark
2: does that, too, with his comedy.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. That but
2: A lot less money. money. Less money. Everybody just gets bucks, gets 20 bucks, bucks. bucks. a <laughs> year. Give it out to the homeless. <laughs> so where, what, what are you guys looking to do now, or what are you doing right now?
3: Well, we're looking to work. Uh, you know, we've got a few things uh, we're in development. Uh, you know. I've got kind of a pet project. It's it's on the um, kind of the career of actually the guy that I worked with at Sports Illustrated, a guy named Walter Yost, who has a storied career as a sports photographer. He, you know, he, he was a child prodigy and at age seventeen could follow focus with a, a zoom with a long lens, which is impossible to do because it it, it shrinks the world down to a postage stamp. Right. so if you're following athletes no one could do it except him he just taught himself how to do it so at age 17 sports illustrated hires him first gig he gets is roger maris's 61st home run in yankee stadium and he goes on from a career after that that's like you know every highlight and moment in sports basketball football whatever so i'm doing his life story wow now. and then uh Rick and I've got a few shows that we're you know deeply trying to develop, but you know the TV game is changing. COVID freeze, froze everything. Nobody's shooting. You know, crime is problematic. You know, so all bets are off, and we're just trying to be uh, we're trying to be inventive.
2: You're gonna get away from the uh,
3: police genre? Do no, we- no, but it'll, it'll be a different spin. Yeah, it'll be a different spin. Hey, didn't you do? Um the housewives show too
1: yeah that was you had to mark <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, listen that, you important. are a comedian mark aren't you not no, that's, a, that's <laughs> in,
3: how popular was that show <laughs> well uh no i created that show i mean so, so i i created the show produced the first seasons lived you know left my family lived in this horrible community called Cota de casa which it was a gated community in the middle of nowhere. So why was it gated? Who were they keeping out? I have no idea. <laughs> so uh, after we produced the first season, the new regime came in from Bravo, killed off everybody else, and basically just stole the shop. Wow. So that, they put two bullets behind me in the back of my yeah. neck, and uh, I've been in a lawsuit you know. ever since. And they, and they ran away with a billion dollars. So that's the that's, a the that's it, a lot, that's the that's uh, the short version of the story. And you can yeah, have
2: yeah, a copy or yeah. a trademark.
3: No, 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 you know you're going up against NBC. So you know you think David had a tough time with Goliath. <laughs> it's, it's it's tougher. Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't know that. I just yeah. uh, I read it in the Bible. And I put in the that's
1: all right. He just had another dagger in his back. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's why I love this business. So many nice people. <laughs>
1: So you could have had big
2: bucks uh, right now.
3: You could have been wealthy, right? Oh, yeah. Well, fortunately, uh, Rick's independently wealthy. So, you know, I, he, he, he takes care of me.
2: i like I a cap man. Me.
3: Yeah,
1: big time. <laughs> <Steve the Shabby. laughs> I love Steve shavi He's the best. I saw Steve uh, last Sunday. I had dinner with him in uh, Florida. Uh, my girl and uh, his, her daughter and... My uh, my buddy Stevie and Ray Marino, an ex detective, Steve took us all to uh, Ruth Christ's, Stevie the bought everyone dinner. Thank <laughs> you, Stevie, if you're watching. He's a great man. You and, have to
2: eat uh, outside, or, or you could go inside the restaurant.
1: You know, Florida uh, currently is, I guess, what they would call here in uh, in the uh, three level, whatever you want to call it, the phase three. <laughs> yeah. Um. And we were in a, in a private room. They knew Stevie very well. He goes there often. And uh, I guess he's a good client there. And they put us in his private room, the five of us. It was a great dinner, great time. And catch it up with Steve Deschavi. If you're were not you laughing.
2: Uh, were you guys speaking Italian? or Oh, you know, <laughs> you know, well, we did a little bit of both. I, you know? what's, what Solazzo says to Michael, you don't mind if we speak Italian. So Captain McCluskey. We were
1: afraid afraid the place was mic'd up, Billy. We were passing (laughs) notes.
0: You know, obviously, Torelli, that's Italian, but you're you're 100% Italian? You're not Irish at all?
1: I'm Irish. Irish, Italian. Swedish and German. Quarter, quarter, quarter. Wow. My dad's father came over from Italy. My dad's mom was a Westie, Irish. Hey, uh, Billy, do you remember Bobby Small? Yeah. Bobby's my cousin. And his mom... Bobby's my second cousin, my father's first cousin. Another great homicide detective, Bobby was. I mean, great. Uh, Bobby, uh, his mom, and my grandmother were sisters. But you had a whole lot of people in your family in the police department, too. Well, my dad was... Oh, did I lose you? Okay. back. No. Right. Uh, my dad was a Nassau County detective. Uh, my brother, as you know, is currently the you know recording secretary for the PBA in his 38th year. And my nephew Andrew Torelli, Danny's son, is just completing the New York City Police Academy and going on the street June thirtieth. Wow. Very proud. Very proud. He had a ninety-eight average in the academy. He probably was one of the, the highest guys in the not only in academics but the physical education
3: part as well.
1: So he scored higher
3: higher than you and Danny combined. Is that correct? Uh, that that doesn't take much. <laughs> hey, uh.
0: I I had a 68 average in the academy, too. (laughs) Just <laughs> said, right? sixty-eight. you, Mark. <laughs> hey, you know what's funny? There's actually there was actually people in, the, in my company that you know they like they almost didn't make it out of the academy. <laughs> like you know, sixty-five was passing or something. And you know, just like in high school, they had like a sixty-six. They were rolling <laughs> the dice, the last test, you know, hoping not to crack out. Like how do you get out of the police academy with a average? went on to 20, got held
2: over. If you got held over in the police academy.
1: That was- <laughs> <laughs> hey, Billy, that a good I came on in January 85. 85. 85? Yeah. Oh, a year after me. I was January 84. Yeah. And you just watch the way that the things have changed and evolved. I mean, we had boxing, we used to beat the shit out of one another. Yeah, live, yeah. And you know what it was? You, you that one guy, a girl, like you know, you watch this one guy that didn't like this girl and the guy would beat them up then. Me and a couple of other guys go, all right, now we're going to go beat up that guy. Because- I wish I could <laughs> let you go
2: back with some of the people years later. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just if you were bring these five.
0: I remember one of these uh, these podcasts that I did. The person asked me, "Oh, do they teach you choke holds in the academy?" I said, "No." I said, "You learned a little boxing, maybe throw some kicks. You learn how to put the cuffs on. There was some wrestling, but that was usually in the shower room after gym." <laughs> <laughs> you know, just with the guys, you know.
1: <laughs> actually special.
0: To, it's a special thing. <laughs>
2: they, you
1: know why, that's why Billy got held over. <laughs> they used to teach hey. an <laughs>
0: autumn with the, the automated <laughs> choke. When I went to the academy, I was part of uh, my my group was three thousand. Wow. So they had to break us up into A, B, and C squads. So, like after a gym block, there would be like, uh, you know a hundred guys waiting to take a shower. And if you didn't get in there right away, you'd miss some of the guys. You know what I'm saying?
1: Miss them in (laughs) what way, Mark?
0: (laughs) No, you wanted to see everybody come through, so. (laughs) If you didn't get in there right away, the beginning of the line, you're gonna miss some of the guys.
3: (laughs) I know there's a soap joke in there somewhere.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, they used to also, when you say how much it's changed, remember they used to call fat cops sumos? Sumos. Yeah, because yep. they would drop out of the run. They would go, all you sumos get in the middle, right? <laughs> Imagine now really? they have a lawsuit
1: about while they were in the academy, right? Remember the guy down in the uh, medical division? Oh, yeah. Skippy. Skippy. Skippy that was a legend. Oh, a legend. my God.
2: That, funny. that guy was funny. I remember a... this girl came to the mini medical, and she was dressed to the max. And, and he goes, he goes, hey, doll, the beauty salon's down the block. <laughs> police department <laughs> I Think thinking that guy would say that today like, have this job, or some muscle-bound guy would come in and go where are you going to the power gym, Skippy
1: you know <laughs> you know Billy it's so funny when you think about the job and I mean you've done you did what 25 or what'd you do I did do? almost 27 27 I did 31 we met an experience that had some of the best people we've you'll ever meet in your life yeah. Men and women, that I I, I tell you today, I you, you don't make it in this business alone. It's the people you surround yourself with. And I personally was very fortunate. I had some of the best partners ever in the job. I mean, without them, you're, you're nobody. And, uh, you know, you look back today and you just hope that that camaraderie can still exist. And these people don't get hurt. And they just keep on doing their job. And they're not afraid to do their job where they're hesitant to do it. And it's like, you know, when you learn how to drive, you know, you know, the person that like takes a, a back step, but doesn't get aggressive before you know it, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping and praying every night that these poor cops out there breaking their ass every day under these circumstances, hopefully this, you know, city council wakes up and realize the job that these men and women do every day for us. And so oh, I'm,
3: I'm, I'm curious, what does your uh, nephew, Andrew, what, you know, what does he say?
1: Well, right now he's he's not in the street, right. and it's like these guys can tell you when you're in the academy, you can't wait to get out there and learn the job, and he's ambitious in that way. Of course, he wants to learn the job, and he's, you know, he's he's looking forward to it. But I'm sure in the back of his mind, he may have some reserve, you know, yeah. but I, I, you know, he hasn't said that, of course. But he's, you know, he he's a young athletic kid. Uh, he saw myself go through the, you know, the police department, his dad and his grandfather. And that was his dream. He had a great right. job in the city, uh, working for a, uh, a, a, a firm that was doing, I guess, uh, commercial uh, advertising or something he was doing. He had a nice job, Andrew. Right. And making a lot more money he probably would have made in this career, but this was his, his dream. And now he's gonna you know, be a police officer out in the street.
2: You know something, Rick, no matter what job you're in, everyone makes mistakes. But on the police department now, they're going to be unforgiven mistakes. You know what I mean? I agree. scary because everyone, especially rookie cops and even cops with a little time on, you make mistakes. And, you know, now these days with video, with body-worn video, with everyone out there hating your guts,
1: it's tough to do everything right every single time. And the old he who hesitates is lost, right? Yeah. And you're going to have a lot of cops hesitating because they're going to think, you know, what the hell am I going to? Do? If I do this, what am I in trouble? If I do that, am I in trouble? So you have mm-hmm. a lot of cops that could be hesitant, oh. and hopefully not, you know, getting hurt. Right.
2: Mark, did you want to say something? You're frozen up there. I think
3: <laughs> either that or he's he's uh, he's, suspended he's meditating. He's meditating. <laughs> Kevin, do you have any thoughts on that? uh yeah i listen i'm I think the pendulum is swung too is swinging too far and you, and you worry about the blowback, you know, okay, so now everybody's gonna be hesitant, circumspect, uh you know, as Rick says they're they're not gonna be you know they're gonna be second a lot of second thoughts, yeah so uh you know. I, I, I think it's a horrible time.
2: Well, one of the things guy. that anti, anti-crime was so good at was proactive policing. Right. And making observations and then utilizing stop, question, and frisk and getting guns off the street. But there is no more anti-crime. So who's going pick, to pick that up, taking guns off the street now? Right. You know?
3: It's I, no, and, and, and then, you know, everybody's going to overreact and, and then the, you know, you're going to get the civilian population armed to the teeth and it's not yeah. going to take much to, to light that fire. Hey, That's Billy, fire. I
1: had, I had the honor of being on the Detectives Endowment Association board and I'll tell you something, they, all these unions out there breaking their ass right now. And I'm glad that a lot of them are starting to, you know, be together on the same on the same front and uh, going forward, and uh, the biggest thing that you know even back in the day we were scrutinized, and it was it was an uphill battle. And I remember everyone used to call the trial room the you know the uh, uh, elephant court, you know. Kangaroo court, yeah, yeah, kangaroo court. I'm sorry, and yeah. it's funny when you think about it. I mean, now with all the the deck is so much more stacked, uh, you know, you know, stacked against all these police officers. Uh, the unions, I'll tell you, they're in, they're in for a, a fight, and I'm telling you right now, they've been doing a great job out there. Uh, all the unions, uh, trying to back the members. And today, I, I'm I don't know if I'd want to be on the job today, personally.
2: Yeah, I don't think I would because, especially when in, at least in New York, you, the governor and the mayor are both against you. You know, right? At least if you had one of them, maybe you'd have a chance, but they're both against you. You know? Yeah. And you notice during all these riots, Cuomo never sent the state police in. He didn't want it blowing back on him, you
1: know? Right.
2: Yeah. We don't need the state police guarding the toll booths, you know? (laughs) It's really not what they,
1: you know. What was going on there with that looting, everyone would have helped, you know? Everyone would have helped. There's not a cop out there that didn't want someone on their back watching their back, you know? Absolutely. It's crazy
2: Let me ask some of the Kaufman films right now. Was it, weren't you also working on some um, documentary about females on the NYPD? What were you doing?
1: Yes. Like that. Is that still in the works? Well, we, we pitched it uh, under uh, Commissioner O'Neill and it took a little time for Kevin and I to finally get it through. We had a lot of help from uh, Bob Ganley, who's as you know, is a union man. And now he's, deputy yeah. commissioner one of the nicest guys you'll meet in your life and bob helped us out a lot pushing it through and then it was the change of guard when uh, uh commissioner O'Neill had left and commissioner shea came in and you know he had to get his his house in order before that so it was kind of put on hold uh we're hoping to revisit it we thought it was a great idea because there's so many women out there today doing this job juggling homes like the men do but they're bombs and they you know wives and they do a hell of a job out
3: there yeah it's more complicated for them just by by this the nature of it you know it's it's a it's a woman in a man's world and yet they're succeeding and they're breaking the glass ceiling. so there's a lot of progress so that you know it's a very affirmative story and then the diversity is 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 apparent as well yeah so we thought it was a uh you know a great uh documentary to, to show showcase these women in various positions we were going to do basically from the we we're going to take a ladder approach so you know we profile or follow a woman who was kind of a new not not a rookie but somebody on you know uh, street level and then maybe a homicide detective and then maybe a precinct leader and, and all the way up to a super super chief so that right. was kind of our our approach which was uh you know, to kind of be very positive uh, portrayal of women of the NYPD, which we think is, long is would more you, viable how than, long than would ever. I'm how sorry?
2: Long would, you, would you watch them for? Would it be well, all
3: the, uh, years? No, I mean, you know, listen, it's, it takes probably, <clears throat> you'd have to follow them for a certain amount of period. And then you, you know, you just follow everything. And then right. you, 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 half the problem is just organizing the footage and all the data and all the media. Sure. So, uh, you know, and but the technology is, 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 is you know, from, is going leaps and bounds, so the cameras are getting smaller, the sound is getting better, everything's getting better. So you don't need the circus to, to make a film, you can kind of have a very small crew, which in COVID is actually better. Right. The less people you have, uh, you know, the better it is somebody sent me as a joke, but it wasn't a joke. It, it was a rig. It's like a cart that had a camera, a, a boom and a light. And that's how some people are, make, are doing interviews. They wheel the cart in, it's kind of a fixed lens. They put the person there, everything's remote and then they wheel the cart out. So you know, yeah. filmmaking is gonna be different now. And the, oh, yeah. and the type of companies like us who are kind of ninja style, small and, and fast, I think- Kevin, I you,
2: think know, Kevin you know who you have to study? You have to study the porn guys. Well. <laughs> because they're not- Well, they well actually- They're not getting body fluids on themselves. Well, uh,
3: <laughs> well I, I, I'd like to go there, but I'm not. They have Mark. big
1: coats, you know, they have helmets on. Mark, you want to respond to that one? Go ahead.
3: One of my favorite cameramen. He 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 and his wife were a a camera and sound team, and and they were hired for something like that. And he said, "I you know my my marriage broke up." I said, "Why?" He said, "I I left my post." (laughs) (laughs) Even in the police business,
1: not a lot of (laughs) people.
2: That sounds like an interesting documentary, though. Females in policing. You know, and one of the things like especially now, and Rick, you were on the job during 9-11, where we were working 12-hour days, you know, oh. uh, seven days a week. And it becomes real tough, right? Because you do, you're a human being and you need sleep. You need right. to go home. You need to shower. You need to see your family. And I can't imagine now must be much worse than even
1: 9-11. We, you know what we wanted to do? Listen, we're cops, you, you and me mark but kevin i think is in the pension system because we've been doing (laughs) so long i think he's in the pension system now (laughs) but um we want to put a positive spin on policing and 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 community you know showed it you know it's it's, like you said before billy there's bad in every group you're gonna find someone bad in every group okay and mistakes are gonna happen and you never want to see anyone lose their lives no one deserves to lose their lives but we want to put a good spin positive spin on policing and the communities that are, that they're working in and show that there really is a good relationship more than what they're tra- portraying today that all these people hate one another you know there's yeah. a lot of times you and i bill you worked up in harlem i mean you worked in some crazy areas when i worked in the 114 let me tell you i had people that were in the street would love you and hug you and and that's still going on but they're not showing those things they're no. showing all the activity because that's what sells papers and does all the rest and right now, you got all these cops, poor cops, you know, men and women out there breaking their ass every night doing 12-hour tours, not knowing if they're going to make it home and not knowing if they're going to be backed up. Right. You know, they don't even know who's in their corner. It's terrible. And that's what we were trying to do. We wanted to show the, the positive stuff.
0: You know, that's something we try to do here. That's what we try to do here with the show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right.
0: Exactly. That's the whole purpose of this, you know.
2: I don't know know as
0: far as TV, because we have control of this, you know, we can still keep pumping them out. I don't know how you get a deal right now with any, any, unless the network is going to be something, you know, on a conservative platform, because none of these people are going to want to produce these shows.
3: No, I mean, uh, you know, but all of television is, is in crisis. I mean, the cable stations, people are home, you know? Yeah. On one hand, they're watching a lot of TV. On the other hand, they're like, why am I paying? I can't afford cable bills are like uh-huh. astronomical. Yeah, and I'm right. paying for sports. I don't, I don't get any live sports. So they're cutting cable and people are kind of learning to live without cable and they're streaming and the streamers are hot. And then, but the, you know, everybody's trying to get into streaming. So it's fluid. Nobody's like dancing uh right now and COVID is is impacting production all over you know actors big name actors why do they you know they're on a set they're surrounded by 100 people an, an active set on a dramatic series is 150 people minimum so what are you going to be testing everybody every day it's not really it's not really practical so what are you going to do they
2: got to get the herd they got to get the whole
3: herd that's to get COVID <laughs> Well, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I mean, listen. I, you know, I'm hiding out. You know,
2: hey, man. Rick just coughed, man. I'm glad I'm not in the same room. <laughs>
1: I covered my face.
3: No, but like you know, he's. he's, and, I, he's looked,
1: I look at. I look at yeah. Paul Kevin.
2: Wash where your where wrist
1: was. later, Rick. <laughs> you know, Paul and, Kevin Living. Dan Bibb just said, "Hey, Rick, when are you going to make him famous?" <laughs> Dan Bibb is already famous on his own. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's one of the good guys there. I'll tell you, that's for sure. That's for sure. Certainly is. Well, that what what he, what you were
0: saying, Kevin, is true. That it's gonna now that because um, I think they started, they picked up again. Sag and AFTRA. I think they're in the phase right now where they can start filming again. But there's um, like small
3: crews, total protocol. I mean, it's like yeah, let's see if it works. I mean, that they, yeah, they're wiping down everything and everybody's like you know blah blah blah. But let's see if it works. You know, it's 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 great until like. One big series gets a COVID, uh, you know, in the whole crew, and then we'll see what happens.
2: Oh, and everyone sues. Right?
3: <laughs> yeah, so I, it, you know, it's it's not a great time for anybody. No, much less in the film business.
2: Although I did get a haircut today, as you could
3: see. Look well, good. I, I, well, am I am so jealous. I, I look like uh Jeremiah Johnson. I just James wore my mask, the but I don't think
2: they don't shave. <laughs> they the, uh, I got my COVID beard. my turning. <laughs>
3: Monday, uh Monday
0: you can start getting a haircut in New York City again. Wow. Phase yeah. two. Yeah. We're we're in
1: phase two. Yep. Yeah. You know, I was just down in Florida and it's crazy because uh I just got back on Monday. And uh, they opened up there in phase three, I believe, uh, down there. And all of a sudden, these people forgetting about wearing the mask and doing certain things, and it's coming. It's they're having a spike again. Uh, and they're doing, I, from what I understand, twenty five hundred a, a day again. And you know, these people aren't, you know, even thinking about it anymore. Then said, in
2: Jacksonville,
1: fifteen that? people got it in one bar. In Jacksonville, wow. Florida, yeah. People thought it was just like party time again. Yeah, it's crazy. And then uh, Cuomo said today, people coming from Florida, coming back here to New York, he's going to quarantine them possibly. For 14 days. Yeah. Him and his brother Fredo, they're going to stand outside your
0: house? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it an interesting thing that, you know, all their threats are basically idle if, you know, the, the NYPD isn't fulfilling their wishes? And they're just idle threats because that's your arm, and yet
1: all you do is uh, abuse them. Well, you know it's what's a, it's funny, it's a relationship. Mark, you know what's funny? It just as a quick, you know, situation that you could go back to. You had you, you bring up that Fredo thing, <laughs> and when you think about it, he also Cuomo's brother had that little thing with his neighbor over a mask, right? All right, he well, wasn't he, being pissed yeah, he, on, he was, bricks thrown on him. Being hit with a with a, a an extinguisher in the head and he was beating the shit out of his neighbors and, and everybody. Right, right. Could you imagine being on that front line? I'm imagine your him brother, being at and I want respect. I'm smart. I'm smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so guess what? Now go out there and be that poor uh policeman or uh, that's standing out there, a woman or a man standing on that line, being hit with uh bricks and fire extinguishers. uh extinguishers and, kills, and Yeah. Felt, yeah. So what do you think? How would we like react to that? Yeah. But no one thinks about those little things, but the first people out there that ostracized the police, right? Yeah. Oh my god, look what they did. You know, yeah. well,
0: they're locking up a lot of those people. There's a lot of those uh um, the FBI's been locking up a lot of the people because uh the video obviously, you know, the videos that's in uh that's in all these major cities right now is phenomenal. And right. you know, a lot of them have these uh tattoos that that uh, identify them so they've gotten a few like I think it's maybe like up to about 75 people around the country you know with with major charges and they were all people that probably thought they were scot-free because they made it home that night after the incident and uh you know had a story to tell for a week or two weeks and now all of a sudden the FBI you know what I'm saying with the with the PD that's
1: a good thing you know, what's,
2: what's interesting about that, too, is a lot of these people have legitimate jobs. One who threw a Molotov cocktail was like a massage therapist. There's a lot yeah. of teachers getting involved in this shit.
0: That no. was good. That was good detective work because they tracked it down through a LinkedIn. And before that, it was through Etsy. She had bought uh, one of the things that that she was wearing was a unique item clothing item and the only place you can get it is on Etsy. So they went on Etsy, they, they found out how many people oh she made a comment about the product after she bought it how she liked it. So that's how they found Ooh. her. all for that. They took put that name into LinkedIn or for yeah,
3: LinkedIn. That sounds like Torelli. It sounds like a Torelli. Uh, <laughs> okay, saw Yeah, right. You have an Etsy mask bill?
2: <laughs> no, I have that cheap little fucking blue thing. You know? <laughs> My wife gave me a design one today that I wore to the barber shop.
3: Though you know, yeah, and 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 match it your, matches off. your underwear. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was his underwear. <laughs> I had, he, he, he,
2: he when I was in Florida. I took a picture of the of the jacuzzi and I said, about to dip my balls in this jacuzzi. <laughs> you know, that's too much information.
0: <laughs> hey, you know, what's funny is that the, when I, I work in the academy as an actor, I do some uh, I do the scenarios there. And I, I noticed that they were giving out the uh, a, a bot- like they, they have their own water bottles with their names on it. You know, and I, I thought to myself, this is so, isn't this something that, remember we went to the academy for you? You didn't get any water when you, after you run, no. you stood on that to get a sip out of the, uh, the bubbler, the fountain, the toilet bowl. Yeah, <laughs> the men's bathroom. We were like, oh, in the, the, class. the class <laughs> was supposed to drink out of the toilet bowl. Well, my, listen, it's, my point is this is like, you know, I was looking at these kids, none of them, uh, there's not many of them that are, look to be in great shape or, or not physically imposing. And I'm wondering about these kids. And then you see them, they get water thrown on them and stuff like that over last summer. But I tell you what, man, uh, as much as a social uh, social worker as you want to be when you get on this job, you're going to show everybody how to do it right. Once you get hit in your head with a brick, it changes you. And uh, all these kids, man, that were out there and they might have been a little soft. You know, the first day you might be a little sheepish, but then you're out for your next 12 hour tour. You're standing a little bit, you know, more up. The third, three a twelve-hour tour, you're like this, and by the fourth one, you're like this. Yeah. And and these these people that came on, they're not the same people anymore. No. That's a different police officer. That's a hardened police officer right now. You changed that person. They're not. They're not the same person that went through the academy anymore. It's a that's a different person now.
1: I, I, I agree.
2: Unfortunately, a lot of them can maybe be defeated too because they're not getting the back backing from the higher ups of the police department and definitely not getting the backing from the, from the mayor or from the government. Because
0: no matter what we went through, this is, uh, it's that plus an extra two weeks. You know what I'm saying? We, whatever I went through on the job, it was usually a three day thing, five days. 9-11 was like two weeks. But after like the third or fourth day, everything kind of sort of settled back in. You were doing the 12 hour tours, but you weren't really doing much. These guys are working every single night. Mm -hmm. And uh, I saw a group going down uh, second Avenue yesterday. We're going into three weeks right now. Ah. So, uh, (laughs) I mean, at this point right now, they are just basically following around babysitting them. You know what I'm saying? But still, it's like, uh, you know, these guys, they're they're different people now. So as much as they went in, this is what happened now. It's like almost the way of what happens to a soldier, you know? Yeah. You know? So yeah, you're well, listen, um, you know, we're approaching the hour and I know uh, Kevin's got a dinner he's got to make. So oh, yeah. I just yeah, want, I'm, to, I'm, uh... Uh, I want to thank you guys for coming, for being guests on the show. I want to ask you guys, uh, you know, if you have any important words, what are you guys working on together right now? What can we look forward to? Okay.
3: Yeah, uh, well, listen, whatever we do, uh, it's going to be Torelli style, which is great storytelling, authentic, positive, and you're going to learn something. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to be doing. And, and we're going to hire people like Bill Cannon again. And yourself yeah, that's and I, I was going
2: to ask. ask that. Are there any parts <laughs> for me? Oh, no, <laughs> on know. You know the and,
1: and we'll be picking. Bill, you're, always always good. you're always good.
2: And I disqualify myself by saying I was going to dip my balls in the jacuzzi. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I still think I would have been the next uh, Kenda. I do the, the I can't you, what you? I, I personally saw 400 murders though you you, did, you know what? you did a great job with the interview and I I was quite surprised that you know we sent in a couple of good interviews of good people talented people um, and no one I, like Bill McNeely you guys know Billy McNeely yeah. good looking smart articulate Al Titus, smart he's a he's a, he's guys doctor now he's oh, an important, brilliant doctor, guy Dr. Titus
3: Dr. Titus Dr. Yeah. Titus yeah, day? so I listen, you know, but we'll roll the dice again with you, Bill. No doubt. I hope so.
0: Yeah, well, no I, doubt. Hey, listen, I got a script I'm working on over this COVID. I got 70 scenes already. I, oh I, yeah. I, I just don't can't. don't quit your day job, Mark.
2: <laughs>
1: <Nah>. <laughs> this has nothing to do with shouting, right? <laughs> I just want to shout
2: out to a few people: Joe Murray, Peter Pranzo, Richard Thicken. Uh, who else we got here? Daniel Bibb, of course. Uh, always watching. Sandy Rubino. James Bastiello, Oscar Farafino.
1: I can't, if I left anyone out, I'm sorry. A lot of, a lot of talent in Atlas, too. <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of good people watching. A lot of, talent, a lot of good people. Yeah, Joe
3: Murray. We'll
1: hope. Love we'll we'll Joe. To the next level, so. Love Joe Murray. Okay. Joe thank you, cool. fellas. Thank All you guys right.
0: for your time. It was a pleasure. You, honor. All right, thank, thank
2: you. So you. Keep up the great on. work, guys. Thank you. And, and when, you, when your big show comes out, we'll have to have you back on.
0: All right, we'll too. To do. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, you. All, All right, enjoy. Thank Thank you, you guys.
2: Have a good Good night. night.